of the beloved. I want to welcome you and, and thank you for joining us. Um, if you're joining us for the first time, I'm Pastor Abe. I serve our Worker Park campus. And I'm really hoping that the broadcast is going out and that you are seeing me right now. If not, that's cool. If you missed the news last week, uh, we had a bit of a snafu uh, with the internet here where we are broadcasting our live stream from. It resulted in only half of the sermon and the service being broadcast. And I'll tell you this, honestly, I, I thank God that uh, this was really one of the first times that we had anything like that happen to us in over nine months of COVID life. So, and, and I also want to thank to all, uh, give a thanks and shout out to all the prayer warriors that uh, my wife said were activated uh, when the broadcast bros broke last week. God may not have said yes to their prayer request uh, that the internet work here, but he had a perfect plan for it. And we were able to get a re-recording out on to the internet. It's available on YouTube, so if you want to, you can catch up with the start of this really quick three-week sermon series there. I, I want to recap really quickly, uh, because during this Advent season, uh, during this period where we're anxiously waiting, I, I wanted to focus on um, who we as Christians are waiting for. I, I wanted to, I started this last week, uh, I started by looking at talking about what we as Christians mean when we say we believe in a triune God, the Trinity, a God that is three distinct beings, uh, each fully God, and there is only one God. We believe and we're waiting for a God that is the perfect community that has and will always exist. God is three beings, perfect and fully alike in all aspects, yet relationally different. They are one. He is three. What I plan on doing this week and next is spending time looking at the second and the third persons of this trinity, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And will you join with me? I want to start with a prayer before we look at this person, second person of the trinity. Let's pray together. Sovereign Father, we are gathered together because you have called us to worship you. We gather together because we want to give you all the honor and all the glory. So may the words of my mouth be a conduit of your truth alone. May your spirit speak through me now. I lift this prayer up to you, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, um, Google Home or Google Assistant, Alexa, Siri, all of these things in 2020 at least are pretty ubiquitous. Most people in de developed countries with a good understanding of technology will know what or who they are. For those of you who are not familiar with these devices, these services, you may be better off to tell you the truth. Well, my wife and I, we had Alexa built into our thermostat over in our home and I eventually had to kill that microphone because Alexa would just start talking to us randomly throughout the day and it just got really creepy and she scared me. But anyway, in 2018, Someone had this brilliant idea to ask Google Home a question. Who is Jesus? And the result, the answer that it gave was fascinating because in 2018, if you ask Google Home the question, who is Jesus, it responded by saying, sorry, I can't help you with that. If you ask questions like who is Allah, who is Buddha, who is Satan, it would answer you, but not who is Jesus. 
Siri, on the other hand, was a bit more coy at the time. Uh, it, it would respond by saying, I'm not equipped to respond to spiritual questions because I'm only made of silicon. Or it would direct you to a, your local spiritual advisor. Alexa went really weird. When you ask the question, who is Jesus? Alexa would re respond by saying, Jesus was a fictional character. Uh, I don't have Google Home and I've turned off Alexa, so I'm not sure how they respond today. I asked Siri the question and it wimped out and just took me to a Wikipedia page. But back then, Google had to actually put out a statement because the whole thing started to gain some traction on, on YouTube. And they tweeted out this response. They said, the reason the Google Assistant didn't respond with information about who is Jesus or who is Jesus Christ wasn't out of disrespect, but instead to ensure respect. And I get that, I, actually, I do. Though it did make me pause when I read that statement to think, you know, does Google not necessarily think they need to respect other religions, which is okay. But I, I get it. I, I understand why they made that statement. And if you, if you think about it, uh, there are a lot of misunderstandings and misconceptions of who Jesus is. And I'll tell you, one 20-minute sermon is not going to answer all the questions that might arise. But as Christians, it is the essential question for our faith. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, the Apostle Paul wrote this, For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. See, the only thing that mattered to Paul was Jesus. The only thing that he would preach about was the good news of the Son of God. The only thing that Paul will point to is the Messiah. Christianity is Christ. Christianity is not a set of ideas or philosophies. It's not rules or, or guidelines. It's not an instruction manual or a set of platitudes. Christianity is Christ. Jesus is the center of our faith. A, a person is at the heart of our belief, our theology. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 17 says this about Jesus. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation or atonement or, or appeasement, make a propitiation for the sins of the people. See, Christianity is Christ. Our, see, our salvation as Christians is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. So Christianity is in the person who is simultaneously fully God and fully human. It's, it's the one we Christians will use terms like Lord, Savior, Redeemer, King, Shepherd, Leader, Teacher, Beloved, Friend. So the question, who is Jesus? That's the question I want to talk through today. And, and I'll, I will admit, I'm not going to be able to answer this question to the fullest extent possible. But if I were asked, limited to a single non-run-on sentence of who is Jesus, this would be my response. My response is Jesus is a person who is fully God and who is fully man forever. Now, I understand that some of those of you who are listening or watching right now, you might be thinking, you know, all the words that you just said, Pastor Abe, their words, and they can be defined, but strung together, they really don't make any sense. How, how can someone possibly be two different things, two different beings? 
It's like saying that I'm going to give 200%. It's like saying that I can have my cake and eat it too. Or, or saying that I went swimming and I didn't get wet. You know, it's like saying that 2020 has been the best year ever. It's totally illogical. It's not true. But like we did last week, what I want to do is take a tour through Scripture, our final arbiter of truth. And I want to show how I can say Jesus is both fully God and fully man. And I want to be very clear. What I mean when I say Jesus was fully human is this, that when Jesus first arrived as a baby born of a virgin, he did not come as God wearing a human costume. Jesus wasn't doing cosplay. Jesus was a person. Jesus was a person who felt hunger. Matthew chapter 4, verse 2, it says this, after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Jesus was a person who got sleepy. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 24, it tells the story of Jesus who slept through a storm. It says, and behold, there arose a great storm uh, on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he was asleep. Jesus was a person who had to listen to his parents. And, uh, Mary and Joseph, Luke chapter 2, verse 51, it reads this. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them, to his parents. Jesus was a person who felt sorrow. When he went to the tomb of Lazarus, John chapter 11, verse 35, says Jesus wept. He wept. Jesus knew he was going to raise his good friend in just a minute, and they would be uh, reunited together. But the pain and the sorrow that his friends were going through, it broke his heart. He felt sorrow. Jesus was a person. He was a person who absolutely felt pain. The Roman centurions, or the soldiers, before leading Jesus away to be crucified, they tortured him so badly that that he couldn't carry his own cross, and so they had to get somebody else to help carry it for him. Matthew chapter 27, verse 32, tells a story. It says, as they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, and they compelled this man, Simon, to carry his or Jesus' cross. Jesus is a person, fully. He wasn't just visiting earth temporarily. He wasn't just coming to say a quick hello. As cool as it would have been to have the, the, the creator of the universe visit, it was this. The great I am took off his crown and stepped into our world, our home. So Jesus is fully man forever. I'll tell you this. As I was preparing for today's message, this realization that Jesus is fully man forever, the concept suddenly really hit me. Because sitting on the throne of heaven is a man. God will forever be human. When when the judgment day comes, the entirety of humanity will come before a person. When Jesus rose from the dead, he came back as a human. Jesus proved that to Thomas when he let Thomas touch his wounds. When Jesus defeated death, he came back as a person, a person who's still going to eat with his friends. There's a story of Jesus grilling on the beach, waiting for his friends to come back after fishing. Jesus is fully man forever. And it might just be me, but that's huge for me. Jesus didn't come for just a visit to earth. He didn't put on a human coat and hang out for a little bit of time, suffer a bit, and go back. He stepped down into our world. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. It says this, uh, 
who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Jesus decided that, that he loved humanity so much that he would become one of us forever. Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, he who is still fully God, decided that he would become fully human. And he reigns in heaven with a resurrected body that has been made perfect, but Jesus is still human. And I want to take a moment to consider this. Because some of you who've grown up in church, maybe you've heard the analogy of, of, of Jesus coming to earth being like you wanting to uh, become an ant to save an ant colony. Basically, you forgo your dominance over the ants and become one of them so that you might be able to bring the message of ant salvation and redemption for them. But here's the part that never got emphasized to me, at least, as a child. You're never going to be you again. You're always going to be an ant forever. Yeah, you're going to live in ant heaven and you're going to reign forever, but you're going to reign as an ant. When I was in in Zambia one year, uh, we spent time with one of the care workers, uh, a translator. He had the ability to speak English and the local language, Bemba. We were coming back, uh, having spent some time uh, at a church in the bush, and I just preached there. And our team decided to take him and his children. I call them his children, uh, but I think they, they were just orphans from the village that he was caring for, uh, where he lived in. And he had some of his own kids, but there was a whole bunch of them. I feel like there were six or ten of them, and we all brought them with us. And we took them all out for lunch. It was in the nearest town uh, before dropping him off in his village. <clears throat> we ordered some food. Uh, for everyone. And when the food was ready, I I went up with one of the local volunteers to grab the food and I started to serve our translator and his children. And the immediate reaction was heartbreaking because he turned to me and said, Pastor, this is not something you should be doing. And And I turned to him and I said, this is exactly what I should be doing. See, Jesus' love for you and his love for me is so total and so complete that we might be thinking, Jesus, you're God. This, this isn't something that you should be doing. But he turned to us and said, this is exactly what I should be doing. This is exactly what you need me to do. And it's what he did. And he did this, and it all started when Jesus decided uh, to start his life as a human, just like we do. When when, when Jesus started his life coming out of Mary's virgin womb, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, says this, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Continuing on in verse 20, it talks of Joseph it says, but as he, Joseph, considered these, these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. This miraculous birth, this miraculous conception by God through the work of the Holy Spirit, Jesus 
started that way, being born of a woman like us. He started his life on earth like we do. He, he has and has a, a human body. He has a human mind. Luke chapter 2, verse 52, it tells us that Jesus grew in his wisdom. He has human emotion. He has a human soul. Jesus, in John chapter 12, verse 27, Jesus says, now is my soul troubled. This miraculous entry brought about a human, a perfectly sinless human. And Jesus did this because he loves us. He loves you and he loves me. He has compassion for all of us. He, he fed the multitudes because of a compassion for them. Jesus, Jesus raised a young man from the dead because he had compassion on this man's mom who happened to be a widow. Jesus wept at the tomb of his friend Lazarus because he had compassion for Lazarus' sisters. Jesus decided to become fully human because he loves us. He loves you and he loves me. He has compassion. So, so the next logical question one might ask or, or consider, based on this understanding that Jesus is fully human, is why? Why did Jesus have to become fully man forever? And there are a number of reasons for this, but I just want to highlight three right now. First, by becoming fully man, Jesus can now be our substitute sacrifice. In Hebrews chapter 2 again, verse 16, it says this, For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. God came to save man, not angels. And and in order to do this, Jesus had to be made like us in every possible way. He had to become the sinless version of humanity so that he could take on the sins that we would never be able to satisfactorily pay for in God's eyes. The second thing is, by becoming fully human, Jesus becomes the one mediator between God and us. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, it says this, There is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. The third thing I want to point out is that by becoming fully human, Jesus becomes the example for each of us. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, the, the apostle John wrote that whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he, Jesus, did. The Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, the one who is fully God, he he did not hesitate to let go of his oneness with God so that he could become one with us. Jesus was born of a woman, became fully man so that the world might hear the truth of the gospel. And that one day those who recognize the Savior's voice might be reunited with God through him. Jesus is fully man forever. And at the same time, Jesus is fully God forever. And and I know trying to harmonize these two truths, they can make your head spin. It does mine. But it is what scripture presents to us. Jesus is still fully God, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It's a, it's a passage often read for, for Christmas, and it describes the Messiah this way. It says, For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I don't know if you caught that. This, this prophetic word from Isaiah tells us that 
the Christ, the Messiah, will be a child and mighty God, a son and everlasting father. From, from, from the very beginning, there is an understanding that the Messiah is both God and human simultaneously. You know, we go from the prophecy to the birth announcement that the angels shouted from the heavens to, to a bunch of shepherds in Luke chapter 2, verse 11. Jesus' deity is being proclaimed when they say, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, I'll, I'll be honest. You know, it's, those words may not have the same impact to us today. You hear it in the Charlie Brown Christmas. You hear it all over the place. We'll likely hear this verse over and over again. But when the angels first proclaimed it, and when Matthew first wrote it, it would have been a big deal. Because not only was the Messiah, the Savior, the Christ, coming in the form of a baby, but that baby was also God himself. It just didn't make sense to anybody hearing it. You know, if you read in verse 18, anyone that the shepherds told this message to, they just looked at them and said, what are you saying? In today's passage from John chapter 1, you see another profound proclamation by John of Jesus' deity, of Jesus being fully God. You see the word or the, and the light, these are all terms that the first century readers of John's writings would have recognized as referencing God. In John chapter 1 verse 14 it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father full of grace and truth. And it's not just other people proclaiming that Jesus is fully God. God, Jesus said it himself. In John chapter 14, verse 6 and 7, it says this. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him. I've seen him. John chapter 10, verse 30 reads, I and the Father are one. John 8, 58 says, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Here, Jesus is using God's own name, I am, as his own. So it's not just other people proclaiming that Jesus is fully God, and it's not just Jesus proclaiming that he is fully God. It is also the miraculous works of Jesus that is evidence of him being God. You know, Jesus shows his omnipotence, his, his power over everything when he, when he calmed the raging waters with a single rebuke in Matthew. It made the disciples at the time who were in the boat with him say, who is this guy? Who is this person that even the winds and, and the seas obey him? Jesus demonstrates his omniscience, his, his all-knowingness by being able to know people's true intentions and thoughts when they approached him. Jesus demonstrates his perfect love, perfect goodness by giving it all up to be our substitute on the cross. He gave up his life so that we wouldn't have to. Jesus is fully human. Jesus is fully God. And he took on this reality so that we might witness, so that we might claim God's desire and design for each and every one of us. Jesus, he didn't come only to show us what God's design for humanity was always intended to be. Jesus came and became fully God 
because we needed him to do this. We need Jesus to be our one mediator, our one substitute. See, after all the mess that was made in the Garden of Eden, God made a promise. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, it says this, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And in this passage, God promises that he will send someone to do what Adam should have done as humanity's representative. From the very beginning, this is what Adam was supposed to do, but he failed. Someone, so God is sending someone who will be perfectly obedient. God is sending someone who will not try to usurp God's dominion. Someone who is going to be perfectly sinless. Someone who is going to live for God's glory alone. See, Jesus had to become fully human so that he could become the better Adam for you and for me. He had to become fully human and he had to be fully God so that he could be the hope we so desperately need, so that he could be the light where there is only darkness. Jesus had to come as a man so that he might stand as our substitute in life and our substitute in death. So I'm going to ask the worship team, if you guys don't mind coming on back up, I want to wrap up. As I've shared, Advent is when we remember that we are in this time between the resurrection and the return of Christ. We are waiting. We are waiting for Jesus, the Son of God, who is distinct and yet fully God. I, I have mentioned this last week. Each message in this current three-week, three-part series, it all has the same goal, the same response. And simply this, my desire is to, is to provide you a picture of who it is that we're waiting for. My hope is that you might better grasp the one God in three persons, the one who promises hope and joy, the one that as Christians we adore.